0: good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of the weekend wrap brought to you by crowcast of course uh a very 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 sad uh <laughs> game to watch on the weekend but look we're going to try and keep it positive and uh we're going to try and break it down for everybody here and uh a big welcome to my cohorts Maka and Nikki. how are you going guys
1: well i'm probably about the same boat as you Fee.
2: Oh
3: God! <laughs> you can't say anything about that game. It was horrible. <laughs> Why are we here again?
0: Oh look it it was pretty bad, um, pretty bad. But uh, look, <sighs> can we go any lower than this? I, I really don't know whether we can go any lower than this. I, well,
1: we can't we the because bottom. there's no 19th no position. We have the not they have the 19th man, but there's no 19 yeah. on the ladder.
0: Yeah, that's true enough, I guess, but... Uh,
3: have have they ever actually had a team that's gone completely winless for a full season?
1: I'm not sure, but... Fitzroy, something. 1960-something. Right, but as was pointed out to me, we have not been beaten this year by a team below us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go, we've had a win.
1: We haven't played Sturt yet. Uh, look,
0: <laughs> welcome to everyone who's joined us on Discord. We really appreciate you guys that uh, stick with us every week um so get into the chat also welcome to everyone who's joined us on facebook and youtube and also twitch uh get around us on the chat on those channels uh we'd love to get as much interaction as we possibly can tonight because i'm sure there's a fair few people with a fair bit to say judging by
1: twitter over the last few days but nothing good of course i <laughs> you that's the only problem yeah it was wow. not a good game to watch was it
0: no, look, and, uh, look, if you want to join us on Discord, uh, you don't have to actually be uh, 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 a user of Discord or have Discord on your phone or anything. You can listen to us live on the, on the AFL Crowcast uh, website and uh, you can chat to us via Discord right from that website. If uh, people are watching on the screen at the moment, I've got a little demo, but basically all you need to do is go to the Crowcast webca- uh, website, aflcrowcast.com, go to the live chat page, um click on the discord box down there and uh chuck in any name you like and uh chat away uh, and as i said the audio is live streamed on that page as well so uh, it's all there for you um but otherwise as i said if you're watching on facebook or youtube or even twitch uh get around the chat get amongst it uh good to see kempy and jmac and vardy and death and a few others kempy uh in there already so uh look get around it and uh we'll I really want to try and make this as uh, as positive as we possibly can, guys. I know, I know, I know, I know that could be a very short podcast. Led <laughs> kicked a nice goal, the end. <laughs> yeah,
3: that, that, that was an awesome pretty, goal from Lenny.
1: Pretty, pretty much right, We now, now we've done all the good points of the game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nikki and I were talking off here and... Uh, we were trying to remember a worse game than that to be a, a thought supporter watching it, and uh, we went and gave it right back to 1991, and we think that it was worse than even in the Shaw days. It was just oh, it was certainly on par, wasn't it? Certainly yeah, on par I, with some of that dribble. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, memories do fade, but I, I, I just can't recall one where no. we looked so incompetent and just no. so horrible all game.
0: And disinterested for large portions of the game, the way we opened up the game was uh, horrific. Uh, there didn't seem to be any intensity or desire or will. And let's let's be honest, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit on uh, later. But selections set the tone for the game. I mean, we selected three, three senior players um, to come in, uh, in, as well as um, Kieran Strawn. Um, the game was billed as our best chance of the season to snag a win. And none of the players showed up in that first quarter. It was insipid. uh, It was pedestrian. There was no intensity whatsoever. And it was so frustrating as a fan watching it because you just thought, well, if this was the game that we were geared up to win, then how the hell is the rest of the season going to (laughs) look?
1: Well, you know, I think... I I thought the game was gone as soon as I saw the selection of the team when we, we just pulled back old bodies... Uh, and then when Text dropped out and Strawn, and I'm not certainly not having a crack at Strawn, but uh, this no, was, no, no. I don't think this was the time to bring him in. I don't, really mm-hmm. don't uh, because um, uh, it just, bring him in with O'Brien and no other key forward just kept that well, it was very, very unbalanced uh, forward line. Yeah. Cause, I mean, Himmelberg is not firing, uh, 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 you yeah. know, on about one spark plug and, yeah. That really just meant it just meant it just killed any opportunity we yeah. had of scoring up forward. It was terrible.
0: Certainly did. Look, let's get into the uh round scores and then we'll uh we'll smash into the Crows game, shall we? Oh. <laughs> Look, uh we started off with Richmond giving the bullies a bit of a hiding. Richmond are a bit bit of a chameleon side at the moment. It's hard to know which uh Tigers team is going to roll up they turned up uh, the other night 13 12 90, the Bulldogs 7 7 So pretty uh, pretty handsome margin there of 41 points.
1: Yeah, they must have heard my comment last week that I reckon they no no show for the finals. But the will tell you, if they played like that, they would be. But the interesting thing is that they had, uh, I think it was 10 players with less than 30 games in their side. So yeah. uh, they, yeah. you know... Uh, can't win with I'm youth, with...
0: can you, Mac? <laughs>
1: no, no, you can't, can you? Uh, <laughs> shit. Uh,
0: Port gave Melbourne a good old touch-up, 12-11-83 to Melbourne 4 8 32. I reckon there was only one thing on the weekend that would have been on par with being a Crows supporter, and that would have been a Demons fan. Bloody
2: hell.
3: And, of course, we're, bla- we're about to bloody play them. I'm watching this. I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking, you know what? With the shit that Melbourne dished up, I actually think at the end of that game, I thought we actually might be a chance to beat them this week. <laughs> but what we dished up in response, No.
0: God, no, next week. No, no. Wednesday's shaping up as a bloody good game, isn't it?
3: <laughs> oh God, nobody's going to want to watch
0: that. <laughs> the
1: amazing thing is, if you look at what Melbourne have got for a midfield, I mean, it's an outstanding midfield in terms of personnel. Yeah, and It's outstanding. You'd yeah. think that, you know, they should be uh, way, way uh, yeah. up high now and do you a lot better. But um,
3: uh, so, Somebody's cracked the shit, said he's no longer captain.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. I, I actually, in fact, I only noticed him Nicky, in about the third quarter for the first time. Yeah. Um, but uh, having said that, uh, much as it hurts me to say this, Port Adelaide look like they are definitely going to be high up in the finals and maybe even good enough to get into a grand final. The only thing that will save us is Ken, and uh, uh, they will say their records in finals. But, uh, gee, they look good.
3: Um, my My dad, who actually grew up as a Port Adelaide supporter – McQuay will differentiate this because he actually hates the Port Power because they are not Port Adelaide, but he's actually said they're really good to watch. He goes, "I hate them, but they're really good to watch. And they are. Good. They're playing and really nice, attractive football."
0: Any any team that is prepared to run and take risks and that is relatively, I mean, Port aren't overly clean. They're not the they're not the most skillful side I've ever seen, but they just run and they take risks and and they yeah. make position and they play for each other. And any team that plays like that is enjoyable to watch, not only for supporters but for um, for for the average fan. You know, it's it, it's not rocket and I, science.
3: I think it right. also comes back to the way it's be, the game is being umpired at the moment. Because I've currently got the Freo Collingwood game on, and yeah. I hate the fact that they are uh, just players can hold on to and hold on to and hold on to the ball, and they will not call for a ball up. They're allowing that ball to drop and the, the massive play on to happen. So there's been a a massive change in the way the umpires are being told to umpire, yeah. which goes against every single freaking rule, but it's playing into the hands of just play on. Yeah. Don't try and bottle it up. Don't try and do contested ball. Just play.
1: Yeah. yeah but I, but I, I, agree, I agree with Fiend though. The Port success is basically that they do run and they take risks. mm I agree. Hey, uh, Hawthorne bounced
0: back to a bit of form, 14.589 to Carlton 9.458 there, a margin of 31 points. Um, Carlton would have been disappointed with that result, I
1: reckon, given Hawthorne's form of late. Absolutely. I mean, when the, so they kicked the first five goals of the game, and yep. then after that they got absolutely trounced. And yep. uh, uh, Really, I mean, they look, Carlton looked like witches' hats after that first five goals. Yeah, they did. So, uh, look, they're still Carlton. Yeah, still Carlton,
0: and uh, that'll be a worry with all the hype around Teague and a couple of ins and all that. And Levi Casbolt finding some form and all that sort of stuff. So uh, they'll be licking their wounds. Brisbane on their merry way, fourteen seven ninety one, absolutely destroyed Essendon, three ten twenty eight. Uh, really highlighted the form line of Essendon there, a
1: margin of sixty three points. Watched it, wasn't a contest. Uh, Essendon. They were very poor and uh, probably uh, they've probably been playing a little bit above themselves or the results have been been a little bit flattering to them, I think. And uh, um, because they really are a little bit threadbare, they they only revolve around a few players. And uh, if you can beat those few players on the day, then you're going to beat Essendon and that's what happened.
0: Yep. Agree with that. that, They just don't have the cattle. They really just don't have the cattle. It's as simple as that. the Saints, on the other hand, seem to have the cattle and seem to have a very organised coach. 15-11-101 uh, I... to Sydney, 6-12-48. a margin of, what's that, 53 points?
1: I was... I... Sorry, Nick, I was just want to say, what I was praying that we would go after Ratten when we were looking for a coach, because really, I mean, the guy can coach. He really can coach, and uh, he's a, a second-time coach. He was actually uh, lost his job with Clarks, and I think, In a year, they actually got them into the finals and lost the first final, if I remember correctly, before Mick Malthouse was appointed and destroyed the club. But, um, yeah, they've got a very good coach. They've recruited very well. And uh, the the mix of things is uh, is working very well for them at the moment. And uh, they're a pretty good side. Sorry, Nick.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say that I do remember Fien and I going very hard for a certain Brett Ratton should be. Chased.
0: Oh, yeah, and I don't think we're off either, Nick. Um, I think nah. a lot of people sh- uh, thought that we should have thrown a lot of money at, at Ratton. In Absolutely. terms of a, a senior coach with experience, um, used to uh, getting something out of a young group. It's exactly what we needed, and we've ended up with a first-year coach without any help whatsoever. Um, and I'm not prepared to call it yet on Nixie, but... Uh, it's a perfect storm for him with COVID nineteen, meaning that he's got a very bare assistance panel, and I don't think that's helped. And I think Brett Ratton, on the other hand, uh, could have coped with that situation a lot better. Um, yeah. West Coast in an entertaining game, coming back to beat Geelong eleven seven seventy three to ten four sixty four margin there of nine points. West Coast uh, muscling up at the end there. Josh Kennedy uh, just really showing his the worth of a. A competitive tool forward at the death.
1: Well, interesting, isn't it? Because uh, we the, the, our game was the seventeenth versus eighteenth, and looked every every little bit of that. Yeah, uh, this, this was a, between two top sides who are both contenders for the yeah. flag, and and it looked every bit of that too. Yeah, it was an e- excellent game to watch. Really excellent game to watch, and uh, yeah, and I think I mean West Coast and Geelong really took it to West Coast all night, and. I, at one stage, I thought West Coast can't do it, but gee, they're a good side. They did fight back, and they also had the local crowd to carry them and give them a little bit of momentum right when it really counted. That oh, period. that
0: helps absolutely. That helps, but Geelong continue to surprise me. You know, I um, I I don't I continue not to rate them, and they continue to come up with results. And um, you've got to hand it to them. Uh, without Gary Ablett and a couple of others, uh, they're doing all right. I Agree. Doing all right, um, and then the Giants getting up over the Suns. The Suns hitting a bit of a wall at the moment in terms of results, at least. Giants nine seven sixty one to Gold Coast four eleven thirty five. A margin there of twenty six points.
1: Watched it. Uh, it wasn't a great game, really, to watch. A um, couple of things that come out of it, I mean, it just showed what a star Whitfield is. I mean, he's seems love to have that guy. He is a terrific footballer. And the I think, is becoming of age as a footballer in the back lines for the Gold Coast. I always wondered if he was just going to be another Jack Watts, but it, you know, he just he is improving very rapidly and looking like a good footballer. Um GW is not totally firing yet, but certainly firing enough to beat the Gold Coast. And Gold yep. Coast are probably just that level below.
0: Getting getting there. And, of course, the game that's currently in progress. Um, let me just have a look see what's going on there.
3: I can tell you right now it's 9-1, 2-6-6. just kicked a goal from a uh, free kick out in front. They're 13 points up with seven minutes to go.
0: Yeah, looking all right to Frio, and a, a, that would be a handy win. Uh, Collingwood don't travel too badly, but uh, I think Collingwood are just struggling at the moment. They miss DeGoy a lot. He is such a spark for them
1: up forward, and I yeah. think they yeah. miss him a lot. To go as a star, I mean, he's just a, actually match-winning star, and uh, it's it's when you lose somebody like that, it's like losing a danger fielder, right. Geelong, et etc. He's, yeah, he's yeah, a, he's a very, very good player.
2: Yep, no
0: doubt about it. No doubt about it. So let's have a look at the ladder, shall we? And um, well. Uh... <laughs> We really want to look at the letter? I don't know. <laughs> no. Sometimes <laughs> as as we still got pick
3: one. There we go. There's
0: there's another well, positive. I don't <laughs> know what's worse: the fact that the power on top and looking really good, or that we're looking absolute shite, holding up the rest. Uh, but we've got Port and Brisbane equal on seven wins, and uh, not too far off on percentage. Uh, St Kilda and West Coast third and fourth, respectively, on six wins. Got a number of teams on five. Richmond, Geelong, GWS and the Bulldogs in the eight. The Bombers outside the eight and probably a little bit higher than their form. And uh, would suggest, suggesting probably where they will finish up. A lot lower than that. Uh, Collingwood, Gold Coast, Carlton and Hawthorne on four wins. North Melbourne on three along with Melbourne and Sydney. 3 on two. Maybe about to get their third win. Uh, to join those teams, and they'll probably leapfrog Sydney if they do win. And then the mighty Adelaide Crows, uh, winless and friendless <laughs> and almost <Yeah>. percentageless.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, can we go into negative <laughs> percentage? Mm. Uh, the only other thing I kind of hope that comes out of this is that we actually see some real bloody change happening.
0: At what level, Nicky?
3: From the top.
0: Nick, it's not going to happen. Uh, It's not going to happen. The simple fact is that we're a club that's run under a constitution that makes it a closed shop at board level, uh, and until that changes, which is not going to be until about 2028, we are not going to see changes at the top. It's not going to happen.
3: Um, yeah, and what that shows to me though is that those board members have absolutely no pride in the club.
0: Well, I, it's, I don't think, I don't think, I've I said this to Fagan once when we went there. Remember, um, yeah. premier premiership's the number one priority, and I don't think they are at Adelaide. I think revenue is the number one priority, and I think in yeah. terms of the board participation, I think being on the Crows board is a is a is a nice little uh, seat to have.
3: It's their little kudos, and get some a, a nice, uh, nice seat at the Adelaide Club.
0: And look, that's that's been borne out by some of the scuttlebutt about the um, the potential uh, replacements for for Chapman, and the the uh, the politics and manipulation that's going on behind the scenes uh, with regards to that whole mess. And uh, you know, there's some candidates that you would want to step up that don't want a bar of it, and. Chappie continues to sprout continuity and succession plan and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it's, it's not a clean process in my view.
1: Well, I have this horrible feeling that Chappie won't go uh, as promised on mm-hmm. the basis that he, they're having trouble getting the right guy. Possible. Uh, I mean, o- October's not very far away. It's not very far away. No. Uh, that's, it. that's the end of the season. So what? August, three months, three months, and there's nothing. At the moment, uh, I mean, you've got, uh, there was a likely candidate and uh, Jim Hazel, who's the deputy, and is absolutely worthless and never contributed anything to that club, in my opinion, because I know how he operates. Um, I, you know, he he is leading a campaign to the board not to have this particular person. And um, so that's somebody with a profile. Uh, But we really do... Clues,
0: Macca, any more more hints on that?
1: No, <laughs> not even a little one. No. No. no, I've said enough. Probably too much.
0: <laughs> well, uh, how do people feel about Greg Griffin?
4: Um, he'd be all right.
3: He's been he's actually been around in sport for a while, and he does actually know how elite sport should be run. He's
0: well, part owner. It, it, of the Adelaide United soccer team in international sport, dealing with yeah. international trades and all that sort of stuff. Um, I know is a bit polarising, Greek, um, but I wouldn't be surprised, Macker, if that's the person that you're referring to. <laughs> uh,
1: no, no name brand. Um, no, I can't say any more than that. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have really said what I've said so far. Doesn't matter. Um, but, but, uh... but
0: the simple fact that there is a campaign not to have someone on the board is enough for me. There shouldn't there be any. There, there shouldn't there be there any campaign. You know, there shouldn't be any campaign. And the fact that there are obviously factions, um, uh, and and you know, uh, clicks within that uh, at that level of the club, it just shouldn't be the case. Just shouldn't. And it, and it illustrates what we were saying earlier that it's a boys' club and it's a it's a clicky environment and it's a sweet deal a nice seat to have, gets you into a lot of functions um, and they're protective of it. And I think that they care a lot more about that than actually dragging the Adelaide Football Club up by its bootstraps.
1: Well, I agree with that. And there are there are a few intelligent people on the board, but they're not football people in the true sense no. of the word. No. They're, they're, they're corporation people and, yes. uh, or uh, either that or we were wondering who we just uh, left us he, he was a government man. Mm. Um, but they, they're sort of chappy style of man or, or woman. They're, yeah, they're not yeah.
0: Very necessarily. corporate.
1: No, I mean, for example, you know, just for getting the actual board for a moment, mm. some people have suggested, in fact, uh, Malcolm Blight was one that suggested, why aren't we going after Neil Barn to be our, you know, in charge of our footy program? Well,
0: yeah, but I mean, Barney won't leave Richmond.
1: Well, no, barmy has been pushed to the side at Richmond. He's no longer holding that particular title. Hmm. Well,
0: if that's the case, if that's the uh, case, because I Barney, wasn't aware of that, I thought Barney, uh had a sweet, sweet deal at Richmond.
1: No, he's been put into a more minor role now. And uh, as Blighty said, he said, you know, you offer him the uh, the job, he reckons he'll, he's sure he'd come if we give him, the, you know, the top footy job. And what you know, this, this guy has been successful with Collingwood. He's been successful with Richmond. He's a football man all the way through. He understands what goes on, and that would be real genuine leadership. I've heard Adam Kelly, and I like Adam Kelly, but I don't get any oomph about the guy at all. Um, And he might he might be a lot better behind the scenes, but he's not coming across with any oomph about our predicament at the moment and a solution for where we're going to. And it's going to need, at the moment, it's going to need a bloody genius.
3: No, because I think he's probably hamstrung by. Higher up, saying, "Well, you can't spend money, you can't spend money, you can't spend money," Yeah. and somebody of Balm's caliber would actually would they dare to say that to him?
2: Well, I and, mean, and I, I, I th- and think that's
3: what I you. I don't mind the idea of Adam Kelly, and they'll probably use that as the excuse of not spending the money um, and going over the cap or whatever because they go, "Oh, but you know, we appointed Adam Kelly." I actually think Adam Kelly could probably step into. Somebody else's higher shoes and might do a better job.
0: Well, that's possible, Nick. But I bring don't. In. I'd like to see Adam just stay in the uh, GM footy ops for a moment. I really like the idea of Balm. Uh I'm not sure how gettable he is, Mac. Um, but on top of the uh, the credentials that you put across there, he also knows the South Australian football landscape very, very well. He knows the football public. Really? He was very successful at Norwood, um, and uh, you know if Roo's going to throw his weight around a board level, then <laughs> I can guarantee you Barmy won't stand for it. <laughs> he never no, did on yep. the field.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, to me he'd be the, he'd be the one I'd be really trying to chase at the moment because this this club at football level, and we're not talking about corporation and mm. corporation. We look at what we see on the on the playing yep. field. It yep. really needs a massive shake up now. I know money's a problem uh, because of the fact of the commitments to pay uh, players out and coaches out and all these type of things. Mm. Uh, But at the end of the season, hopefully at least some of those commitments are gone and we can afford to uh, give uh, some decent assistant coaches. And if an expert like Barmy came in in and was our head of football, I'd feel a lot more uh, hopeful about the the long-term future of the club.
0: Well, you know, Mac, oh, that's a good segue into the uh, results of this week because the club, in my view, has written off 2020 and they did it at the beginning of the season. I think they so much happened at the end of 2019 with a the review. Uh, they were, they lacked organisation. Uh, new uh, GM Footy Ops comes in. Um, you know, a, a couple of other changes in in terms of coaching personnel. Clearly, they lacked any sort of preparedness whatsoever. Um, the list was the list profile um, was shot um, because not, not I don't think so much because a few people have uh, been uh, chirping about Hamish and I won't disagree that I think Hamish has made a couple of misses as well as a couple of good hits as well. But I think our, our squad as it stands, is a victim of selection policy over the last couple of years and just overrating the list, And hanging on to um, senior players for far too long at the expense of juniors. And so we're seeing uh, lads like Chase Jones uh, struggle um, simply because he hasn't had enough games under the belt. And on top of that, probably not the support in terms of development and coaching that he needs um, at this stage of his career. Simply because we're running on, on the smell of an oily rag this year. So... And I think the players are are looking like they're playing like that. That The way they're playing reflects the attitude of the club, in my opinion, that we're just going through the motions in 2020. We just want to get through it financially. Um, And we'll, you know, at the end of that, we'll just see what happens in 2021. That's the way the Adelaide Football Club seem to be playing predominantly at the moment. We've seen good efforts over the previous couple of weeks, but certainly on the weekend and a couple of the previous performances, it just looks like the player's going through the motions.
1: Yeah, one thing I've got to defend Ogilvy about is the fact is that we go right back to when Ayers was coach and uh, Lawrence Angwin. The guy at Fantasia did not want to take uh, Angwin. And Ayers, as the coach was allowed to override him, and we did take Lawrence Sanguin <coughs> and Blue yeah. getting Burgoyne, etc. <coughs> um, long, along, you know, a couple or two, or three years after that, they made a ruling that in future that the uh, coach could not interfere with the selection of players mm. that the, the drafting team got. Well, we talk about O'Gavyny and. Uh, uh, What's his name? The, the lab with the pace that can't make the bloody side at the moment, or he's injured, he's out for the year. Now, yeah, um, um, um you we know don't uh, Galucci. About Galucci. Uh, well, in that particular year, uh, Ogilvy was remember, he was really uh, red hot and mad to get English. He wanted English at all costs, and yeah. he was overridden by Pike. So they allowed the coach once again to go over list management. We've done all the research all the homework etc 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 so that in itself means that once you do that you're gonna you're gonna be buggered because coaches don't do the same homework well, as the, as the list team does
0: well I agree with that to a point macca I agree with that to a point but I have a massive problem with um, recruiting teams and recruiting people who blindly go oh we need to select the best possible talent, the best talent available. Because, to me, English was not a need that we had in Gallucci's draft year. And I think Pike was right to say we needed midfield speed. So I I don't think the coach should have the right to override uh, a recruiter or, or the person in charge of making those decisions. But by the same token, I think, as a club, <clears throat> and if you're talking about footy operations, that's this sits squarely in footy operations. It's list management, it's squad management, you know, it, it's John Reed. it's the head coach, it's Hamish and his team. You know, collectively, yeah, uh-huh. collectively they should be able to break down the profile of their list from the point of view of age, from the point of view of uh, output, um, from the point of view of value on the trade table, and they should be able to say, OK, well, instead of just, you know, the best available talent, why not the best available midfielder or the best available key position player or the best available available small forward? Because I think drafting English would have been a
1: mistake. Well, in this particular case, you might well be right, but the point I'm making is that uh, you can't put everything on top of Ogilvy. That's the only point I just got to make. Oh, know. no, no, no. no. I, I 100% agree with that.
0: But I'd i put I it said, more at
1: Reed's level, you know, because the list management team is, are, the, are the people that should be getting it right. Well, Ogilvy will come out and he'll, come, he'll find good players for them, and, but they've got to get it right. And they, I don't rate Reed at all, for me, so I, I really don't rate him. Well, I look, think
0: the, the shambles that we're in at the moment in terms of playing out contracts, and, and, you know, we've talked about this ad, ad infinitum, you know, the long contracts that we gave to certain players. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, you know, that is on JR. But again, I I, I wonder what influence um, board and executive have on the whole list management committee because I can tell you right now that Fagan's on that list management committee and the chief financial officer is on that list management committee and Mark Rusciuto is on that list management committee. So of the six people that are on that committee, three of them are at board level, Right. And why else would you have a CFO on the list management committee if it's not to say, well, you know, we've only got X amount of dollars, so we've got to do this, that and the other. To me... They
3: they shouldn't be on there at all.
0: Well, no. You might want
3: to consult them at some stage. The list management committee might want to bring them in to consult, but they shouldn't be sitting on there.
0: Look, there's been other examples of the board interfering, like when Tippett wanted to go to Brisbane and also when Jenkins wanted to go to Brisbane. Um, I don't know who of you heard the interview with Matt Randell during the week. Uh, Matt Randell obviously no longer with the Collingwood, so he was asked to comment on Adelaide's list. Um, and, uh, yeah, he made comment about that, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, there were certain things that were happening back then that shouldn't have happened. And the the mismanagement of Josh Jenkins' uh, uh, contract and the fact that both he and Tippett could have, could have gained us maximum value at trade table, um, are two big misses that I think were both influenced by board-level um, intervention. Uh, certainly Stephen Trigg is, is, I think he's actually on record as saying that um, uh, he vetoed the Tippet to brisbane move. Um, he did. Andrew Fagan is on record as saying that he told John Reed get Bryce Gibbs under any circumstances. Correct. Don't don't leave yep. the room without that's, Bryce Gibbs. So that's there is a massive... there is clear what? evidence, clear evidence of executive level interference with our list management. So, you know, recruiters are always going to make some hits and misses. <clears throat> you know, and I think Hamish, uh, uh, at times, can get a little bit cute with his selections, and get a bit too left field too often. But by the same token, he's brought in some some really good players into our system. And yeah. it's not his fault that those players have hit our system and not been developed uh, appropriately and not been given games and not been given exposure and not been coached correctly, you know. But by the same token, I do think that it's a holistic um, thing, list management. And I think blindly going best available talent... like. I don't mind telling you right now, I've only seen one or two games of Riley Tilthorpe, but if we spend any of our first round draft picks on Riley Tilthorpe, I'll be very, very angry. Because he might be the best talent or local talent or key position talent in the draft this year, but it's not what we need, is it? It's not what we need.
1: Well, we need the best midfielder around.
0: We just need midfield. We need speed, we need class, we need um, agility, we need a little bit of strength and size in there. We do not need another key position player that is going to take three or four years to develop. Now, I'll have a chat about Berg and a few of the others later, but at the end of the day, every result that we've had this year has been on the back of being spanked in the clearances, like absolutely creamed in the clearances. And I would love to see blokes like Berg and Frampton and Fogarty and, and those lads and McCannum uh, get an opportunity to actually play with a well-functioned midfield. And I think, first and yep. foremost, we need to get that midfield right. And if we spend high draft picks on Tilthorpe, I'll be pissed off because it just it's not what we need right now. And that's no disrespect to Riley because he's a, he's a good player and a very good prospect. Um But I I still have my doubts whether he'll even go first round. I reckon we might be able to pick him up with one of our second rounders. Um, But I'm fearful that he's going to be a good news story for the board um, and we're going to spend too big on him, uh, just the same as probably arguably we spent on Chase Jones and Nebik Henry.
1: Well, I can't argue with you. You said that uh, the midfield is our Achilles heel and because Achilles heel... That Achilles heel destroys both the back line and the forward line. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, well, you, that's you, right. It makes I mean, everybody look bad. Um, I mean, our
0: defence has been made to look ordinary uh, this year at times, and they've been trying their guts out. We've got a couple of players down on form. You know, Laird's been down on form. Uh, Luke Brown's been down on form. Uh, hardigan has been up and down, probably shouldn't be in there. Um, you know, Will Hamill has struggled in his first year after some promising signs early it's just through weight of entries and it's not just the number of entries into, into our D fifty. It's the way the ball's coming in, uncontested.
3: Yep, with no yeah. with no pressure with no and they're not, pressure. not getting assistance and they're not getting assistance from the midfield. And right. you're spot on. The problem with our forwards and the problem with our backs is and, and often that's what I've been looking at these games and go, you know what? I'm not gonna worry too much or slag too much about the forwards and the backs. It all comes down to our issues in the midfield. Now, Riley O'Brien is not one of the problems.
0: No, like he's, everything uh, definitely else around not. him is. Anyway, look, let's uh, let's get back on format, shall we? <laughs> 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 that was my fault. Uh, North 19-5-1-1-9, that favourite number of ours. Uh, Adelaide seven a margin there of sixty nine points. Uh, we were never in it really, um, although you know we rallied for a few minutes in the third, um, but we were never really in it. Um, And in the last quarter when the game was still there to be won, we were, what, 26 points down or something or other? Um, They just killed us in that last quarter. They absolutely slaughtered us in that last quarter when the game was there to be won. And, you know, the the two times of the game we expect the most intensity is at the beginning of the game when you want to set up a win and at the end of the game where the game's there to be won. And both those quarters were insipid.
1: Well, what can one say other than the fact you're right? That, can't say uh,
0: can't say much else if you watch the game, can you, Mac, really? No. no. We,
1: well, won- fl- we did wave the flag in the last quarter, uh, the white flag in the last oh, quarter. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, uh, well,
0: it, let, let's, let's just talk about that quickly before we get to the head-to-head stats because this is the other area of the club that I th- that I'm really concerned about at the moment. And it's no surprise to me that our fitness is down the toilet. Um, and we've talked about this as, this situation as well, where, you know, our squad now is three years into uh, a Brett Burton slash Matt Haas uh, fitness regime. Uh, both of those guys were previously involved at Brisbane, uh, and when they were there, Brisbane suffered massive injuries uh, and really down on fitness, and they were brought to Adelaide, Burton and Haas, and now we're in the same boat fitness-wise as Brisbane was, and one times, one times uh, an incident and two times is a trend in my book. And I think one of the key concerns that I have at the moment is our lack of fitness because we do not look anywhere near it fitness-wise.
1: No. All right. All right. That's 100% agree with that. And I think nobody can really argue with that because we, we, don't, we just don't run it out. We just don't run the game out. But that's gross mismanagement, and yet, isn't it, Nick? And
2: yet prior,
3: yeah, and yet prior to Burton coming. We actually had players from other clubs who we traded in and they would hit our preseason and go, Holy shit, I yep. have never worked this hard, I've never been this fit.
0: Well you the know, thing we, of it we is we were
3: actually held up as this massive high standard that everybody else had to achieve to and we've gone the complete opposite direction. It,
0: it was one of it was one of our key strengths because we had that that um runoff half back Uh, Game style because we didn't have a strong midfield back in the mid-2010s, you know. We had a serviceable midfield, but we ran like crazy. And we had lots of options running through the midfield, and all of those options were as fit as anything, and they'd be running as hard at the end of a quarter as they were at the beginning of a quarter. And, you know, the thing to remember is that when Brett Burton was brought into the Adelaide Football Club along with Matt Haas, Nick Poulos hadn't actually done anything wrong.
4: No, no, he that,
0: hadn't. That was sad, actually. He, really wasn't, sad. No. he wasn't replaced because of incompetence or poor performance. He was He was replaced or pushed aside. A nepotism. Um, because of ne- absolute nepotism. Nikki, you're 100% correct. And, you know, I, I've said before that I've had off-the-record uh, conversations with Nick. Um, he, I wouldn't say that he's bitter anymore because he's gone on to bigger and better things in international sport. Um, but... Uh, I think it would be fair to say that our perception of what happened down there isn't isn't far off the mark and the, and the sad part about it is is that it wasn't broken and Burton and Haas have broken it.
2: Yeah. it
0: it's it's undeniable we went through all that soft tissue stuff and then we went through um a period where we didn't even know how to use the technology that we'd bought in Kangatech um, and and you, know, you
3: actually, you actually had senior players telling the younger players to not do it.
0: What we have, you talk about footy department spend. We've had to 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 buy Steve Saunders, the creator of Kangatech, to come into our club as a consultant to oversee that system. So effectively, we've got two heads of fitness because Haas still runs runs the. Uh, the fitness program and Saunders runs the medical i believe or you know something similar mm-hmm. so if you want to talk about overspending that's where we've overspent big time and we didn't have to nick Poulos was doing a, a perfectly good job and as you mentioned nicky our fitness was the was the envy of a lot of other teams in the afl um so just another just another nail in the coffin and and we're seeing the results now. Our team just looks so unfit, not only in terms of endurance but also in terms of leg speed.
1: Well, you can't argue with any of that. But it, it's it, as you say, we've been uh, burdenised and um, uh, ha- 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 Hass or or whatever his or uh, whatever his name is, uh, he's still there. And uh, the coach himself has admitted that after about the first four games, that the, the team is just totally unfit. He said they're not, up, they're not uh, fit uh, at AFL level. Now, that is a, a shocking reflection upon the fitness coach.
0: It is. And, you know, you can throw up COVID-19 and the disruption of the training program, and Nix has sort of alluded to, you know, difficulties in training systems because of COVID-19 and the restrictions, all the rest of it. That's all well and good, but uh, it's the same for every team. And aren't the players getting paid a lot of money to maintain their fitness levels? You know, can't they train in small groups? Can't they be given programs and can't they be expected to adhere to those programs? I mean, the whole thing just smacks of unprofessionalism and uh, we're witnessing the result on the field. Anyway, let's look at some head-to-heads. Adelaide again, because we're under pressure, almost one-to-one kicks to handballs, 258 disposals to North Melbourne, 358 if you don't mind. 100 disposals different, um, mostly uncontested. Um, marks, 153 So we doubled in disposal, doubled in marks. Uh, tackles, 73 to 66. So we won that stat. Um, all right. Hit-outs, everyone was giving O'Brien a hard time, but hit-outs were actually 27 to 29 in North's favour, so pretty even. Um, the uh, clearance is 35 to 20, so we got Absolutely destroyed in clearances once again. Uh rebound fifties, despite the fact that the ball spent a fair amount of time in North's defensive area. Um rebound fifties twenty-nine to us, twenty-eight to north. Uh, because essentially when they got in to the inside fifty, they tended to score. Um and our and our inside fifties thirty-six to theirs forty-eight. Um Yeah, uh let's just flick over the page yeah contested possessions 125 to 102 uncontested possessions 232 to 155 that's about 80 effective disposals 269 to 185 that's nearly 90 Um, contested marks kangaroos 15 to our 5 marks inside 50 kangaroos 10 to our 5 Name a key, key position forward, Maka, that took a uh, inside 50 mark for us. Uh, did
1: Himmelberg
2: take
1: one? Nope. I thought he did. He nope. must have got close.
2: <laughs> no, nope. He
0: dropped a couple. Uh, dropped a couple. Didn't take one. Got a free that he shouldn't have got.
1: Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. He got
0: a free yeah. for a push, but didn't take a mark inside 50. Uh, Strawn didn't take a mark. Didn't even, didn't even scare the ball. Kieran Strawn, no, um, he did not. Uh, Riley O'Brien, nope. Uh, no key, no key players in our forward field. The only blokes that took inside fifty marks was McAdam. Uh, I think Riley uh, Rory Atkins might have taken one. That's about it. One um, percent is thirty-eight to thirty-three. Um, score involvements one hundred three to fifty-eight. Meters gained, we couldn't even top four thousand meters gained. We turned it over fifty-four times to North fifty-six, um, and tackles inside fifty. Despite the uh, the time spent in each respective forward fifty, North Melbourne thirteen tackles inside fifty, Adelaide five five tackles inside fifty. So uh,
1: there you go. I'm,
3: yeah, well, ju- I'm just shaking my head <laughs> for yeah, every but- single one of them.
1: So yeah, one of the, I think the key thing out of all those stats, apart from the fact that we always get smashed in the clearances and that continued, nice. um, is uh, and but also talking about the centre bouncers, although they they might have got their hands on it pretty equally, uh, Goldstein uh, he put quite a few right down their throat, and I don't remember Rob doing that. Uh, the other thing is that uh, those they had a lot of what you would call cheap possession, in the sense they were prepared to run and work and make position. And therefore, they've got uh, kicks uncontested and marks uncontested, which I think the stats uh, back that up. Which then enabled them, of course, to move, move the ball on without being under pressure, because they, they've made the effort to get out in the open and the run. And that's exactly what, what we watched. We watched them just uh, give them a pretty good exhibition of uh, using the ball and giving it to their teammate. Yeah, you're right. In
2: the
0: cardinal. Oh, and we gave up the corridor so easily. And they oh, just my God, used, there was so much yelling. They, they just used Geelong's tactic of uh, lining up players ac- uh, across the, the wing line of the centre square, um, yeah. and we weren't prepared. The only bloke that was prepared, to his credit, to take any chances and go through the middle was Bryce Gibbs on the few occasions that he did get the ball. Um, but uh, generally speaking, we were just pushed wide. We weren't prepared to take on the corridor. I'm just, I've am just. i got the graphs up at the moment, and for those people that follow us on Patreon, i post these up after the car sometimes tonight so you can have a look. Um, but, yeah, so our disposal differential in the second half just went south. I mean, it was it went down pretty much the, from the beginning of the game, but uh, certainly after halftime, it just went south. Um, that
1: goal that they got fiend, when they went from... Uh, we kicked the point, and they went down the field and kicked the goal within 16 seconds, illustrates the point I was I making... Used-
3: and only three possessions.
1: <laughs> they just kicked it to a, to get it to a teammate, to kick it to another teammate, to kick it, it to another teammate who kicked it through the goals.
0: Yeah, one too many teammates there, Mac. It was actually two teammates. It was the kick out to Aaron Hall to yeah. the other bloke
1: to a goal. That was it. God, it's even worse than I ever thought. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that it was, was pretty ordinary,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, not good at all. Um, look, and this is the thing. Uh, our... Our differentials here. I'm just running through them on the screen. I won't. I won't bother going through them too much. But you can just. It just follows the score scoreline. Um, the massive differentials that were occurring in the third and fourth quarter, when the score really blew out, are reflected in every one of our um, differentials. Our center clearances. Um, you know, we actually fought back a bit halfway through the third quarter with our center clearances. Ironically, when personnel changed. Um, but by the end of the fourth quarter, they were diabolical. Um, our stoppage clearances, much, much the same. Fourth quarter absolutely died in the ass. Um, you know, our marks around the ground, like, just died. Diabol- to have, to have the differentials that we had so early on in the game. You know, we were we were minus, you know, ten or so halfway through
1: the second quarter, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, yeah, it, just. Um- just slightly digressing, um, you know, with the at the moment the club has been it's been attacked quite mercilessly uh, about the camp and anything possible uh, by the Victorian media and turned into a bit of a laughing stock. And now, with it's playing its performances on the field, it's gradually been getting that's been getting into the laughing stock stage too. And now, of course, with this particular game, we've hit rock bottom, and now we are the laughing stock in all aspects of of whether you're talking about admin or on the field. So uh, mm. would you expect, a cha- like we, we saw the chairman of uh, Melbourne come out and say after their one particular game uh, where they, they underperformed, uh, that that is unacceptable and uh, he will not accept that, that that can, you know, in other words, it will be action taken if that continues. In other words, he's virtually threatening the coach with his position. Would you not expect our co our chairman to come out and say something?
0: Well, probably a couple of things on that, Mac. First of all, um has uh been in the chair a lot longer and he also had an apprenticeship under Ruse. So I think the Melbourne chairman can expect uh more from Simon Goodwin than he could than we could probably expect from Matty Nix, particularly under the same circumstances. Second of all, um if you're complicit in the demise of the club, if you're part of the problem, are you going to get out on the front foot and expose yourself by trying to blame someone else?
1: Well, at the moment, it's left to, to Nick, who I think it doesn't do it very well, quite frankly. I thought that um, what Nick said and the way he said it is, was almost boyish rather than coachish. Uh, I don't know what what you'd call his explanation of it, but to me... It, it actually whittled uh, my faith in it rather than uh, my, my belief in him. Um,
2: I'll,
0: I'll tell you what it said to me, Maka. And this might be a bit old school. Uh, and Nick, I'd be interested in your opinion on this as well. The way Nick has c- conducted himself in presses over the last couple of weeks, and particularly this week, he has set himself as, as uh, being one of the players. He's not set himself as being an authority figure. He's uh, very much a uh, get around him type of coach. And I think as a consequence, I think when he said we apologise f- to our supporters, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have said that. He should have said the players should be ashamed or embarrassed about yes, their I- performance. Matthew Nix, unfortunately, Matthew Nix should be separating himself from the players publicly, not to save his own skin, but to tell the players that he's not their mate. He's not their mate. Matthew Nix is not there to be their mate. Matthew Nix is there to get the Adelaide Football Club to start winning games of football, and it it worries me. It worries me that he's getting all matey, because that has an impact on selection. It has an impact on players' uh, discipline. Uh, it, it permeates through the club. And, you know, I know we're living in a different age uh, and players don't react to ranting. I'm not asking Nick's to rant. I'm just asking Nick's to be assertive and to exert his authority over the, over the, club, over the, uh, the squad, to make demands around performance, both on and off the field. Um, I, because I think that's
1: his job. Well, I, I'm 100 with you. That's why I, I thought it was like it was very boyish that what he did. You know, yeah, it, was just, it just wasn't like a mature coach uh, handling, uh, and was a totally unsatisfactory performance. And I think there's only five players who could probably walk off that field and say that they had a really decent go and probably did something towards the game. We were talking about that off air, and uh, I don't. Think you have to be too too bright to work out that, you know, that, uh, uh, well, you want to have a crack at those five feet? No. No, well, you have to put probably put lead in there, for example, and uh, you probably put Seizman in there. Talia. Uh, Talia. Lynch. O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien. Probably Who's Lynch. Probably Lynch. And Lynch. They I think Lynch doesn't... tried. Not yeah, saying... he did. And nobody, we're not saying they've played the third perfect game, but they're the five that could say, Well, I had a real crack. Had anything. a crack. Yep. Absolutely. And the others I don't know what they'd say. Yeah. I don't really know what they'd say.
0: You know, Anzac Paul in the chat said, you know, he'd rather have a coach call a player pathetic. Well, you know, it didn't hurt Malcolm Blight um Maybe and the Adelaide play. Crows when he made an example of David Pittman. And I can tell you and, right and now I think-
3: it, and he did that. It wasn't to make him so much as to make an example of David Pittman. It was also to let other players on notice of this is not acceptable.
0: Hmm. And I can and tell you right now, that's what you now, actually have to know as a coach. I, I can tell you, you, have you to that know every your group. every player in that squad had has the utmost respect for Malcolm Blight, utmost respect for him. But I bet you that there's only. No more than maybe two or three that have main, maintained any contact with Bloody after after ninety eight. You know, I don't think he'd be on yep. many Christmas card lists. No, and I don't. Wouldn't. I think there's I don't, definitely not on. And I don't think I don't think Bloody cares because Bloody wasn't employed to get it wasn't a it wasn't a popularity contest for Malcolm. You know, it he was brought in by the management to turn around a. a a situation and to get us some flags and he delivered and he delivered by earning the players respect and you know fair enough he had a fair fair um, CV so he had that advantage but you know a bloke like Brett Ratton would command similar respect coming into the club as a Carlton Premiership player um, and a, a seasoned coach and I don't see Matthew Nick's I don't see his approach having any impact with this playing group whatsoever. Well, it isn't obviously because look where we sit.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I worry for Nick, You know, and the fact that, uh, and I worry for us um, that you know Nix doesn't look like he's going to be firm and do the right thing with the players, or and maybe he's doing stuff behind the, the scenes. But he he publicly says you know he's not going to rave and rant at the players and all the rest of it. Mm. Sometimes I think you have to. And, uh, well, you know, uh, you you delivery to, Well, not...
3: Well, no, you don't actually have to rant and rave, but you just have to let them know that that's not acceptable. And there's, there's different ways of doing it. So you can do that without the ranting and raving. And I actually witnessed it last night just watching my girls play. I mean, and I just pointed this in the chat. I mean, we had a 60-point win, but it, they still... They didn't play to the way they should have been playing. And he let them know at the first quarter time break. of He was disappointed. This was not acceptable. This is not the way we were supposed to go about playing the game. And they picked up the pace and they got better as the game went on. I mean, we completely dominated the game from start to finish. But those girls finished that game and were like, we weren't happy because we know we could actually do it better so there's ways you can do it as a coach and I know it coming from my coaching background and I was dealing with little kids up to teenage girls and you have to approach you have to know how to approach them differently but even my girls that I coached I wasn't there to be their friend I was there to be their coach but if they needed some sympathy yep then that was I was the person to give it to them but if they needed some of that tough love or some of that no 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 Sorry, that's not acceptable. You need to go and fix that, and then come back. And that's what's needed. And you're right, Fain. We're not getting that from Nick's. He's trying to be too powerly with the players, and that's just doesn't work. Well, doesn't what, work.
0: what it reeks of me is Matthew Nick's. Uh, he sounds to me like an assistant coach, because to me, it's your line coaches that uh, can afford to build bigger relationships with the players in their in their particular groups. Um, they're probably slightly less demanding in terms of, they're more instructional and and they're teaching coaches if that makes sense. Uh, they're there to deliver what the coach wants and to train the players to deliver what the coach wants. Whereas the head coach is responsible for the for the scoreline at the end of the game, and he 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 is responsible for setting the standard. He's responsible for demanding performance. Um, and Matthew Nix at the moment doesn't seem to have transitioned from being an assistant coach to being a head coach. Um, and he needs to do that pretty quick.
1: Well, publicly, that's that's definitely true publicly. And, and uh, the way he talks and if he is the same with the players he seems to be, well, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Because he, he really has to take a slightly different stance when you are the man at the top, Unfortunately, he hasn't got a lot of assistance, so I think he's probably would be the most handicapped coach in the competition. I can't think of another coach who would be have as little help as he's got. Oh, um,
0: absolutely. I, I don't yeah. envy him at the moment. I re- and that's, that's the problem, isn't it, Mac? You know, he's got no one around him. No one around yeah. him. Brent Riley, yeah. fucking Ben Hart, for Christ's sakes.
1: Yeah, and, and I think probably... Um, well, we and I'm I'm as good as anybody of that, that we're very very critical of what we're seeing in next at the moment. I think that this year is going to be much like this for the rest of the year. Oh no, uh, no. and uh, that the way the best time to judge it will be next year when uh, undoubtedly there will be a lot of good football people out of work at the moment that hopefully uh, I, and I am hoping this is the case. The fact that the club isn't uh, helping with with more people at the moment because uh, A, uh, you don't do that part way through the year, but secondly, there'll be better people available at the end of the year and and the, also the fact that they've got so much money that they're paying to people that they've sacked and players that have moved on, et cetera, et cetera, that uh, they're just holding their fire until, until the new year, hopefully. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping the situation is. 100%. If not, we're
0: bugging. 100%. Let's move on to some player stats, shall we? Um not terribly happy reading, um, and I won't dwell on them too much because I want to actually spend some time doing some video analysis uh, in a minute. Um, but we'll just get through the the, um, the player stats first of all. Um, Lynchy was our main disposal winner with 15 and 9. Uh, Leady had 22, um, and we'll break those down in a little minute. Uh, Lead had 22, uh, Crouch also twenty two, Paul Seasman twenty, McPherson fifteen, although eleven of those were handballs. Um Stengel had thirteen. I thought he showed patches of uh promise when he ran through the middle, you know. We might have a sneaky little midfielder there, uh, in Tyson Stengel, I reckon. Uh, yeah, he was some, good. Someone to work through in bursts anyway. Uh, Gibbs had twelve, Smith had twelve, Hardigan had twelve, O'Brien had twelve. Keyes had twelve. A uh, little quiet. Uh, Keys played well, but he was a bit quiet. I thought. Does
1: try um, though.
0: Really does stop to give the
1: effort.
0: Oh, it never, never stops trying. Uh, Himmelberg eleven. Atkins, uh, the senior player, Rory Atkins ten. Shane McAdam ten. Jake Kelly eight. Murphy eight. Jones very disappointing eight. Uh, Talia seven. Although that's not his go. Luke Brown didn't give us anything off. Out of uh, defence seven. Hamill had a quiet game, only one kick, uh, six disposals. Strong was a waste of time, and Riley Knight was the worst selection I've ever seen. I, I, I
3: think, no, quite seriously, if this to me is selection for the next game. Is if Knight, Atkins, and Gibbs are still in the team, next needs to go.
0: Well, let's have a look. Let's have simpler. a look. Uh, at the inclusions, shall we? That's what I want to have a focus on. And we'll look at the stats first, and then we might have a look at some video after that. Uh, Bryce Gibbs, first of all. Um, his uh, his performance was less than overwhelming. I would have thought he had uh, three touches in the first quarter when he should have been champing at the bit, and when he was actually representative, representing in the midfield, because in the second half he went back uh, to half-back, Uh, Three posses in the second, only one in the third, and uh, five in the last, but four of those were handballs. He's had two kicks after halftime, Bryce Gibbs. Uh, Why did we bother with Bryce Gibbs? Yeah,
1: I don't know why.
3: Well, they they keep talking about how I had good form in the the SNFL, but I remember when they were talking about him having good form in the SNFL last year, and I was watching him and his supposed good form in the SANFL, he didn't really give a shit. He did not try at that level when he got sent back. I'm not sure if he has actually been trying at this level, but he's not up to AFL standard anymore. He should not be in the team, period.
0: Zero clearances for the game. Two tackles uh, for the game. Zero score involvements for the game. Uh... Played the second half in the back lines, got two rebound fifties. Uh, no inside fifties. Uh three intercept possessions. Like it's a woeful performance from a thirty year old senior player who has supposedly, according to Nicks, busted his ass to get back in the team. And to throw up a, to throw that up to throw that up, honestly was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting by Bryce Gibbs. It was useless. Let's have a look at... um, uh, Rory Atkins, shall we? Obviously, his his disposal stats are going to look better. But uh, three kicks, two handballs in the first quarter... Um, Oh sorry, two kicks, three handballs in the first quarter, two kicks, one handball in the second quarter. In the second half, one kick, one handball for the half. When the game's there to be won in a half of football, a bloke who supposedly deserves to be selected one kick, one handball in the second half. And I've gotta say, in the first half, I actually tweeted this about halfway through the second quarter some of the efforts that Rory Atkins put in and I've highlighted a couple in the video some of the efforts that Rory Atkins put in were insipid they were pathetic some of the efforts that Rory Atkins put in pathetic, it's the only word I can use to describe um, you know uh he took three marks he didn't lay a tackle, Rory Atkins playing on a wing uh, and off half back a little bit, didn't lay a tackle um Turned the ball over. Uh, had no score involvements. Oh, sorry, had three score involvements. Kicked a goal because he uh, he uh, went down and, and uh, uh, squibbed one easily. One, um, obviously, no clearances. What a waste of space! Yep. Absolutely wasted space.
3: Yeah, completely. You know, and th- these these are the three guys who were brought in who are more senior players. They were going to, you know, give us that bit of the help. Nothing.
0: This, is, this is a game that we wanted to Not win. A whimper. R- Riley Knight, the third inclusion. Riley Knight. In the first half, Riley Knight, when he wouldn't have been buggered, right, had one handball. In the first half, one handball, Riley Knight. In the second half, he had two kicks. One in the third, one in the fourth. I mean, that's just laughable.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't definitely a non-event. I mean, seriously, if they're going to be serious and say, you know, you have to earn your spot in this side, they've probably got to make about four or five changes. Seriously. Um, You can't just play people who give a performance like that and give them another chance. It's not on.
0: But it's not only, I mean, we can criticise selection. I was critical of selection to a point because I thought I could understand Bryce Gibbs coming in for Brad Crouch if, if... Bryce was, uh, by all reports, he was he played very well in the last scratch match and has an attitude change and yada yada yada, right?
1: So they told us, yeah.
0: So I had I, I could live with Bryce coming in. Um, I didn't really like Riley Knight coming in. Um, I didn't understand the strong selection. That was uh, odd. Uh, like we've got text pulling out late, like very late. Yeah. Like half an hour before the plane's leaving late. And we've got Fogarty on the emergency who we're told was ready to play and now we're being told he's still
1: a week or so away. This is the old... He's originally going to be out one or two games, a week or two. And this is the... Sadly... We don't. We're not a truthful club. Uh, every time we have these one to two week injuries, they do turn out to about eight weeks or something like that. Yeah, I not, mean, not
0: I know, good. I know, bone bruising can be a bit fluky at times, and sometimes it can take a while to to come good and all the rest of it.
2: But
1: it's um, our history thing.
0: But w- what concerns me is that they they, according to reports, they put Fogarty in the twenty six so that he could. Be included in competitive training, and yet he's not right to play. So why would he be in competitive training if he's hey, not that right was a to mystery play? To me.
1: Yeah.
0: Like the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And unfortunately, and I'm not going to bag this guy um, because he tries, but Kieran Strawn just isn't up to it. I'm sorry that that I've seen enough already. One game, he lacks speed. He lacks agility. Like he's a lumberer. I don't, I don't I, on reflection, I don't understand why we would have someone like Kieran Strawn on our list when there's probably three or four uh, far more mobile ruckmen in the SANFL that we could have given a rookie contract to as insurance for Riley O'Brien. I don't know why we got Kieran Strawn on, on our list. Why? He's cheap. Yeah, but why have him? The, a yeah. rookie listed bloody um, SANFL ruckman would be just as cheap. Why, why have we had Kieran Strawn on our list for three years?
3: That's because Hamish is actually based in Melbourne, and he watches and he saw him in Melbourne. Who's he? Is he actually come and been watching those SNFL Ruckman?
0: Oh, they watch tapes. They, they watch yeah, I know
3: they should man. do.
0: And he's got scouts in the SNFL, and JR and Mark Rusciuto knows football, and there's just no way that Kieran Strawn should. No disrespect to Kieran Strawn at all. But from a club point of view, I just can't understand why Kieran Strawn has been on our list for three years. I really don't.
1: Is it three years
0: though? Oh, two or three.
3: I think it's two. two. It
0: might be two, but even two is long enough. But he—he that—that would be his first and last, last game, surely, surely to God.
1: Um, is it right that he's actually been at, uh, on two uh, two clubs uh, list before?
0: Well, for a while there, he couldn't even break in a VFL team. They said 20- that he
1: was on.
2: I think Essendon was less than uh, Sydney's
1: list. Yeah, he's... How old is I, he, 24 or 25? Well, they, they took him at it of his background on the telly, and they um, I know they said he'd been on two senior lists before, and I thought... Not, I've never heard that before, but...
3: I don't think he had. I thought it was only... I thought he was a rookie on for Essendon, and then it, he went to Port Melbourne.
0: Look, it doesn't matter. he yeah. uh, He's not up to it. Um, look, uh, I thought of the remaining um senior players. I thought Seedsman was okay. I thought he tried hard. Um in the first quarter he had five kicks, two handballs, was quiet in the second with one and one. Uh again in the third when we were really under the pump had five and two and three and one in the last I thought um I thought Seed did alright. He had one, two, three
3: He gave a wimper.
0: Five score involvements. Um he gave us some infight inside fifties, five inside fifties. Um did he give a tackle? Yeah, he even laid some tackles, uh, which is better than most. Um, got a bit of the ball outside too. Um, Seeds, so certainly wasn't our worst. Um, Riley O'Brien. Now, I watched I watched the game again this afternoon to put a, put together our little video highlights package tonight. And I thought he had a decent game the first time I watched the game. The second time I watched the game, I would say he was our best player. By by the length of the Flemington Straight, because he's not the best tap ruckman you'll ever see in your life, but he's always second. His his secondary efforts at clearances and at stoppage are better than every midfielder we've got on our team, bar maybe Keys. The amount of times I saw Riley Riley O'Brien try and clean up the mess from a missed. uh, like a missed uh, stoppage from a uh, misclearance from one of our players. He took marks, he made ground, he, his disposal has improved a thousand percent. His field kicking, um, I thought he was our best player. And as far as I'm concerned, and you guys might have a different opinion, and our people who listen and watch might have a different opinion, but as as far as I'm concerned, the conversation is over. Raleigh O'Brien is well and truly capable of being our first run. At AFL level,
1: oh, I know totally, totally, yep. um, and I think he's it's one of those, he's a work in progress still. There's, he's not a work in progress in terms of effort. He's not a work in progress in terms of fitness. You can tell that he, uh, if I remember rightly, when we did our pre-season trials, he was either second or third in those. You know, yeah. a big guy like him, yeah. and it shows that the amount of work that he'd put into it. So, and I think his performances reflect reflect that. Um, the one thing he has to do now is we've got a, we've got a raw ruckman who is, uh, as I think you're right, he's our permanent ruckman and he's good enough to be our permanent ruckman. Now he does just have to refine himself in terms of little things like tapping the ball and uh, the ability to kick a little bit better and uh, the more he plays, the more that will happen. Matt, his and, kicking and, has improved 100%. And,
3: and what people actually forget, is if you watch him, he's got such an awkward running gait because if you actually watch him walk, he's pigeon-toed and he's very pigeon-toed and he has worked so hard, uh, particularly that field keeping, kicking around the ground to to try and straighten And he's going to get a dodgy one every so often because he's just got the foot that unfortunately is his kicking foot that's completely turned in. So I actually think he deserves absolute kudos for working so hard on that um, and to, to get it right, I think what he needs though to take that next step is as much as I love Matthew Clark as the coach of the women's team, um, you were right a couple of weeks ago, Fiend, when you pointed out that Avrucks don't know how to contend against jumping Ruckman.
0: No, they don't.
3: He needs a different Ruck coach.
0: And we've come up against a few, I mean, um, North Ruckman. I wouldn't call him a, a jumping ruckman, he's very strong, but it's it's uh, uh, shown by the fact that the hit-out differentials, if I just slide back up the graphs, the hit-out differentials, uh, in the previous couple of weeks, Riley got towed up in hit-outs, um, and unfortunately I don't have uh, hit-outs to advantage, but I don't think that's terribly um, different, really. Mm. But our hitouts differential this week, it, by the end of the game, Riley was almost on par, um, and it didn't waver between you know half a dozen the whole game. So it wasn't Riley. Riley nullified, you know, probably at least fifty percent of um, Goldstein's uh, work. the The thing is that Goldstein was is very strong and was a, a, actually got quite a few clearances himself. Yeah, and as um, I
3: pointed out, actually, in the stats, Goldstein's actually the number one. They might be the 17th base team, but he's the number one ruck mm. in the so, AFL at the moment.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, don't have, I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, Matty Clark's not the answer to teach Riley O'Brien how to ruck because there are the Nat Newys and the Gauns and the Grundys of the world at the moment will jump all over um, Riley. He needs a coach to... Uh, teach him how to how to ruck against those uh types of players. Um and Matty Clark, as we all know, that wasn't that's not his style. So uh but yeah, I thought Riley was bogged um by by a country mile and I won't countenance any <laughs> any uh discussion about him not being the answer. <laughs> I think I look I don't
3: think we're gonna disagree with you. No, no. no.
0: Uh, Laird, I thought in the second half in particular, uh, or certainly once he got moved into the midfield, I think he warned to his task pretty well. Um, Certainly uh, showed some intent at the ball. Although it was interesting, interesting. again, I was watching uh, the game today and uh, after Laird got a couple of uh, decisive disposals in in those clearances, um, North were very quick to sit on him, very Mm. quick to man him up. Um, but he did right. He had uh, three and one in the first quarter, three and three in the second, three and two in the third, and three and four in the last. So a consistent game from Rory. Um, score involvements. He had four. Um, he laid three tackles, which isn't too bad in the context of the game. Um, you know, certainly uh, he gave us a little bit of uh, inside fifty action, but, but it just was. Good to see a little bit of energy around the ball once he went in there.
1: Well, Jones had been very poor again. I mean, he's had three games now. We had six, six, and he's like you said eight. So um, well, that's a total of 20 possessions in three games, and it's not AFL standard, and I think it might be time for Jonesy to have a little rest, I think.
2: Well... Particularly
3: that we're coming up against, a, you know, such a short break before we play Melbourne. The other thing that what I noticed was i paid a lot of attention because they had the longer camera angles with it being played up at metricon you saw a bit more of what was going on in that pre midfield before the bounce and you're right Fien, he's getting too hung up on trying to body and everything else and he was just getting easily thrown out of the contest
1: yeah Yeah, easy that's not his go
0: someone needs to tell him to actually start off the contest To start away out of position, because the only the only time a midfielder needs to be in position is when the ball is hitting the ruckman's hand.
1: Hundred percent
0: spot Only time you need to be in position. what,
3: What they should do is get him to watch the game again, but instead watch Anderson. that's what you should be doing
0: classic example Anderson would would, uh, and uh, I've noticed this with a couple of midfields they treat it like a basketball key they just cut through there all the time and that's what, as a midfielder that's what you need you you need to be able to identify the stop you want to the spot you want to be at when the ruckman makes contact with the ball and that's the last that's the last place you want to be when the umpire's got the ball in his hand you don't want to be standing there you want that to be opened up and All our guys are flat-footed. We've we've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks. All our guys are flat-footed. Maybe we should be the coaches. Jesus, I played midfield at bloody Divvy 4 level, for Christ's sakes, and even I know that. Mackie, I'm sure you know that (laughs) with the level that you played at, for God's sake. Well,
1: I used used to always stand back from the pack, and um, I I used to have a good understanding with the ruckman where he was going to hit the ball, and I would take it at speed uh, going through. And... uh, it didn't always work out uh, right, 100%, but uh tell you what, got plenty, plenty of uh, very deep attacks out of it.
2: Yeah,
0: and what we used to do if we were getting beaten in the midfield is actually start to spread out because it would confuse um, yeah. your opponent. Yeah. They'd think, well, what the hell are you doing? We'd, we'd just like move away, and then we'd all be on the move. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't. But the last thing you want to be is flat-footed because if the ball comes to you, the, what's going to happen? You're just going to get tackled. And either the ball spills free, and then it's a 50-50, or it's a supplementary ball up, and away you go again. It's just the worst midfield look. And and the two players that don't do it are Keys, and when he came in uh, for a while in the second half, Laird, until he got bodied up. And at no stage do we ever try to remember. We used to have this argument about Sloane. Why doesn't someone put in a block for Sloan so we can get free? It's because that's not how we play in the midfield. For some bloody reason, we just go man on man and try to beat our direct opponent. It just doesn't work. It's it's not it's not it doesn't work. Let's talk about Chase Jones quickly. It was pretty disappointing. Uh, I've been a uh, a fan of giving him a run of games. Um, and I still don't want to see him dropped, although I can understand the people that do want to see him dropped. But, uh, as the video will highlight in a moment, uh, there's some areas of his work around stoppage that really need some touching up. Had three kicks in the first quarter, but went quiet after that. Two and one in the second, and only one handball in the second half. No touches in the last quarter.
1: Yeah, basically, I'd just like to see him drop for the one game. Not, not for ever, just for the one game so you can sit on the the sidelines, watch the game, watch what the midfields are doing and watch what they're doing well, watch what they're doing wrong, and then go back and apply some of it.
0: But, you know, Mako, can't he he do that by watching the tape during the week? I mean, they're sitting in a bloody... Sensibly,
1: yeah. Sensibly. But he's doing the same things week after week, so...
0: I just think we need to build a fitness base in Chase and that's one of the main reasons I want to keep him in there because he needs to be able to start taking the hits um, and and building his fitness and giving him a week. Those scratch matches are bullshit Um, and I'd rather see Chase continue to play. Uh, Let's face it, who cares about results? We need to develop this kid and we need to coach him and he needs Godden or, or somebody to sit down with the tapes and show him a couple of things uh, about what he's doing at the moment because I, I, I just don't see... I, I get dropping on form and I don't like gifting players games under normal circumstances, but th- this lad has got some talent, he's got some speed, he's a good good leg and he's pretty tenacious. And I just feel like we just need to give him game time to develop physically and to understand, understand the game better. Yeah,
3: yeah. He, he, he needs to... You're right, because as we talked about, have fitness, whoever has. it, it They're not going to get it on the sidelines. He's actually going to get it running it actually during the game. And he does need to, you know, develop that hardness. But he just needs to be played in that right position in the midfield, not that defensive one. We've been banging on this for weeks. Can they stop mm. fucking putting him there, please?
4: Yeah.
3: Actually put him as said put him on jet anderson or get him to play like that or those other ones those running through he's he's our fastest footballer why yep. aren't we using that why are we making him stand flat-footed and try to have a push and shove contest with players who've been in the systems five years more than him
0: yeah um ben keys had a good game three and two in the first one and two in the second a bit quiet in the third only one kick and three kicks in the last but I felt like he tried. I felt like he gave us an option around the contest Um, and uh, certainly not our worst midfielder. Uh, Matt Crouch, um, you know, got his possessions, Um, but score involvements for Matt, for all his possessions, he only had two score involvements. Um, He laid four tackles. Um, Didn't give us any rebound at all. So yeah, it was a bit I, of a nothing we, game from Matt.
1: I don't really mean we can knock him too much because most of the time he was massively under pressure So uh, and because of the lack of support from the rest of the team. And I'm not trying to stick up for him. I'm just saying that uh, I just thought that the majority of his positions were, taken, were obtained under pressure and uh, that's why there was not much resulting from them.
3: He did but, seem to be still, like from last week, he did seem to be looking forward a bit more. He did. Um, which is a slight positive, but you're right, Fain. Uh, uh, why he got sat on the bench for the start of the third quarter.
0: Well, that uh, that passage of play in the last where Aaron Hall just took the ball and, and ran off him, that was in imbat- yeah. Matt Crouch should be in bad. And it doesn't mean that Matt Crouch has to be the quickest player in the AFL, but the thing was that when Aaron uh, Hall took that mark... Matt Crouch should have wrapped him up and he didn't
3: because yeah. they're not
0: playing that And that's the th- Matt Crouch had enough time to get goal side of Aaron Hall and he didn't he didn't lay any body he didn't make any contact and as a consequence Aaron Hall looks around and goes well I'm faster than you so I'm off you know it wasn't just the fact that Matt Crouch couldn't keep up with him it was the fact that Matt Crouch didn't have any defensive thought at all about how to slow Aaron Hamill down. You know, it would have been better for Matt Crouch to bloody trip him, for God's sakes. But he, he didn't be, would have been, yeah. but He But but he didn't do anything. But he certainly didn't try and get around goal side and, and cover the mark or scrag him or, you know, something. It, it, was a, it was a pitiful effort. And there were a few pitiful efforts by Matt Crouch. And I hear what you're saying, Macker, and I'm not going to have a Matt Crouch argument with you tonight. Um, but he continues to disappoint me tremendously um, look I'm not going to spend much more time going through the stats because I've got a few videos that I want to talk about and then we uh, we don't want to be going for three hours um, I thought McAdam showed some really good signs um, almost a lone hand up forward which is disappointing really because we played tall up forward we rested a Ruckman up there and had Him- Himmelberg up there so we had tons of
1: talls this uh, game actually could have been uh, an outstanding game if he kicked uh, the two points. You know, he two points when he should have kicked two goals, and that would have given him four goals, which would have been a, a, an excellent effort in a match like that.
0: Yeah, but do you know what I noticed this afternoon, uh, Mac, that probably went a bit unnoticed during the actual game was the amount of times McAdam was taking the ball at half back. He did a lot of running uh, during the game. Yeah, he, he got a fair few possessions across half back. He was providing options. Uh, he tries really hard, um, and I'm happy to persist with him. Uh, and the goal kicking's all right. He's he's obviously uh, got the yips a little bit, but he straightened that up uh, later in the game. And when he's got the when he's got the ability to be the third forward, which is what he's supposed to be, uh, then I think he'll really flourish. But he tried very very hard. Agree. Um. Of the rest, um, Lockie Murphy again tried his guts out for no real bloody impact on the game. Um, Stengel, I thought was... Yeah, yeah. Was it? Um, Stengel was okay in patches, and as I said to you, I thought he uh, showed some signs through the mid. Uh, Tali had tried hard. That's about all I got. Luke Brown was disappointing. Uh, Jake Kelly uh, had a weird game because some things that he did I thought were really good, but he made some defensive errors that were really bad as well. Um, And that's about all I've got. Does anyone want to talk about anyone else specifically?
1: Yeah, I thought McPherson. It was was all in the chat. McPherson was nominated as trying hard, and he did try hard. Didn't miss. I actually
0: thought he had
3: a stinker. Uh, I I thought that was probably his worst game.
1: It may well. Well. He did make some errors, uh, and but with the pressure they were under, with the lack of pressure upfield, it, it's not surprising that they did make errors uh, down back. So uh, I'm a little bit more leaning on the, on the new Nick, but, I, but but the one thing he does try his guts out, and, I, and he goes in pretty hard too. So uh, I, I thought he had a an average game, yes, but um, I, I'm actually giving him a bit of a tick for trying very hard. Um, unfortunately, the other young lad. Um, who Hamill, who I have great hopes for, he just had one of those games where the ball just wasn't coming his way and when he did he usually stuffed it up a couple of times. Or Well what did we
0: do Mac with Hamill? We brought in Bryce Gibbs to replace Brad Crouch and then because Gibbs couldn't get a sniff of it, we moved Gibbs to half back and we pushed Hamill up to the wing mm. you know, I mean we play again another situation where we accommodate a senior player and mess up a, a kid, right? Now Will Hamill didn't have a bad game. At, he had a good game its, last week. Last week, um, Bryce Gibbs got got moved back. Rory Atkins started playing behind the ball, and Will Hamill's playing up on the wing. When he's been playing the last three weeks off halfback, so I mean, you know, I I'm totally fine with Hamill. He'll he'll shift. Yeah, no, in he'll gear be able to play a good player long you know, But I, I think it's it's consistent with what the LA Football Club do, where we just shuffle. We've done it with David McKay for years, um, and we did it with Bryce Gibbs, where he wasn't performing. It was an absolute waste of selection having Bryce Gibbs, because he was supposed to be in there as a mid, and he was not worth a pinch of shit, and ended up playing half a game off half back, and didn't do much better
1: there. I'm struggling for a name me. What's the name of the bloke that he played one game last year, and he got. He got... Uh, against Geelong and got resolved, and he played the first game this year and got resolved. Yeah. Benny Davis. Benny yeah. Davis.
3: Why, why, right. wasn't it, why wasn't he put into that forward lineup?
1: Well, the reason I mention that, mention that, we've only got eight games to go for the rest of the year, and uh, surely it's folks like Davis and uh, Paholki it said, we should be trying at this stage because of the fact that uh, we, we need to know whether they're the ones that are going to stay or whether they the ones are going to go.
2: Yeah,
0: well, I think the line's been drawn through, Ben Davis.
1: I think Obviously, by the fact he's not being selected, I think you're
0: right. I think, I think, um, for some reason, you know, he's played two games, um, but you know, Ben Davis could have slotted into that forward line. Uh, we were far too tall and slow. L- the fact that bloody what was the guy that uh, that got top disposal for them, McDonald? Yeah, yeah. Well, who was he playing on all day? Himmelberg yeah. and bloody Strawn. No wonder he got thirty-five touches. He just ran around like an unregistered dog, because Himmelberg and Strawn couldn't even raise a gallop to catch up with him. It well, was he, so he rated him
1: obviously, obviously rate so poorly he didn't bother to stand him most of the time. He no, said he, he ran, get... ran like an unregistered dog.
0: No, it, no, he was playing like bloody Bowden used to play for Richmond. Mm. You know, it was embarrassing because Himmelberg and Strawn just could not negate that guy, and our coaches did nothing about it. Anyway, let us have a look at some video before we finish up. Um, Mainly because I spent so much time bloody doing it. Um, (laughs) But uh, there are some interesting uh, ones in here. So just bear with me a second. And let's just see what happens here. Um,
2: I just wanted to start with our clearances, if you don't mind.
4: Do we have any? Right, so I've got... I think this is the first clearance of the game, actually.
0: And um, you can see, Maka, I I don't know whether you're looking at the screen, but it it illustrates exactly what we were talking about, about flat-footedness. Each of our three midfielders, uh, and it's Matt Crouch, Chase Jones... I can't make out the third, but I reckon it's Gibbs. Um, A
2: flat-footed bodied up against their opponent. Ball um, comes down. It falls into our favour.
0: Now, at this point here, for those people that are watching, there are three... No, there were f- there are four Crows players. So O'Brien, Matt Crouch, Chase Jones, and it's actually Keys. I think, is the other one. They are all closer to the ball than the than the first North Melbourne player who happens to be Goldstein. Right? The bo- Riley O'Brien rightly steps away from the ball because he expects Matt Crouch as the midfielder to come in and pick the ball up. Matt Crouch also steps away from the ball because he's lazy and expects Riley O'Brien to pick it up so that he can get a cheapy handball. And the door basically opens for Todd Goldstein to come in and pick the ball up as a consequence. And, uh, North Melbourne end up getting, getting a free and away we go. Like it was just absolutely ridiculous. Did you see that,
2: Matt?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, um, the, the the perfect, what you're saying exactly is right about the flat footedness and, uh, the perfect example is the um, uh, Lachie Neal for Brisbane. I watched him very closely on the weekend, and he stands exactly what you're saying, away from the pack, okay, but he ends up with a ball about 90% of the time.
2: Yeah,
0: but that, that's that's my problem with Matt Crouch is he never will take charge of a midfield. Now, that ball, that's the first clearance of the game. That ball was there to be won, and he expected the Ruckman to get down and pick the ball up and dish off a handball instead of sweeping through and getting the ball himself. And Definitely. that's that's the problem that I have with Matt Crouch. Um, you know, I've just got that running, running again, just to show again. It's just, it blows my mind, blows my mind. Anyway, the second one is another uh, clearance. Um, and again, we're bodied up. Uh, this one's against door.
2: Now at this point, the ball is free. I don't even know why I've put this one in now.
4: <laughs> there was a reason.
2: Can't remember why. Anyway, we'll keep going. <laughs> well, that was a good one. Yeah.
0: Right oh, now this. That was a beautiful tap to Benny Keys, and it was a clearance to
2: us. But what's wrong with that picture, Macca? Can um, you see it?
1: No, I actually haven't got up now. Perfect. Okay.
2: Sorry. Well, Mac, uh,
0: Benny Keys has run from defensive side. Riley O'Brien's tapped it over his head. It was a really nice tap into space, and Benny Keys has run through. But when he takes the ball, he's running away from our goals, right? So what, what would you expect to be happening at that point? Well,
4: yeah, if well,
0: someone, those, should be, web- someone should be running through from half-back, yeah? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Either one of our, midfiel- our defensive midfielder um, or uh, someone off-half-back or off-wing. Off-half-back, off I would have thought, yeah. yeah. But instead, Keys—and to his credit, he does—but Keys has to um, outpace his direct opponent, which I think was Higgins. Um, and as a consequence, even though we got the, even though we got the clearance macker, it wasn't a quality clearance because it was a hat kick, mm. right? Is around the body, and it was a hat kick, and it didn't amount to anything.
4: What have we done here with the next one? Oh, this is the one where the ball's gone off, up in the air off a, off a smother.
0: And again, Ben Keys. there's no one running past him. And as a result, he has to hat kick again. So both those examples are when... Because Ben Keys obviously plays on that side. He plays on goal side and he runs defensively. And both times he's run away from our goals, got the loose ball, and there's no one running past him. And so he has to kick around the body and the ball gets turned over. It's what we do out of centre clearance all the time, and if you watch North Melbourne, they rarely did that.
1: Yeah, the reason Ben Keynes is always on the, in that particular position is that he actually stands the attacking player, which is really on our side of it, so that, uh, that player, uh, if they get the ball, they can run straight out their goal. So that's, yeah. that's why he's is yeah. always in that position. Yeah, which is
0: fine, but you need to support him when he's got the ball going Oh, exactly.
1: I mean, he's doing his task, but he just needs help.
0: Yeah. This next one is a stoppage in North's uh, forward line. And uh, at this point, Matt Crouch has basically got the jumper of, I think it was Zerha was his name. I can't remember. Yeah, Zerha. um spins around. Goldstein's dropped out. But what you don't see is that the bloke that gets the handball off Goldstein had run into the contest with... with um, Riley, not uh, Riley, uh, Rory Atkins, and then Rory Atkins just stands flat-footed while he runs back the other way. Oh, it could have been Simpkin actually. I think it was. so. It. N- no defensive cover at all off that stoppage whatsoever. This is another one where there's no defensive cover off that stoppage, off the stoppage at all. Uh, oh. So, in this one here, and I'm going to try this out because this. Guess what I've done? I've worked out how to
2: bloody. <coughs> I've worked out how to draw on the screen. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so,
0: I don't know whether people can see this, but these two guys here, Stengel and I think it's Brody Smith, were bodied up with these two North Melbourne guys when the ball was thrown in. Now, by the time the ball is tapped down by Goldstein, there's two metres difference between the Crows players and the North Melbourne players. There's two metres difference. Now, how can they get a two-metre separation, Maka, in the space of five seconds? Because we're standing flat-footed.
2: Well, in this case, we're not even jogging. You know, and the ball goes through for a goal. It's
0: just... It blows my mind. This is intensity. This is desire for the ball.
2: You know, it's nothing else but but that. It's just desire for the ball. This one again, a situation where Jed Anderson and Brodie Smith are on
0: each other. Brodie Smith had body on Jed Anderson at the bounce. Todd Goldstein gets it out the back. And by the time Anderson's got the ball, he's got two metres on Brodie Smith, who's one of our fastest players. But the other problem is that Rory Laird, who is trailing the contest on the defensive side doesn't have the uh, the presence of mind to actually cut off Jed, uh, Jed Anderson's outlet on the mm. other side, and Anderson just gets a free runaway. See where
4: see where Lead runs, where Lady runs, right here, right. Here we go. Lead was here. When, when
0: Anderson was here. And instead of running this way to block Anderson off going the other way, Laird is nowhere here. He's just run in a straight line back towards their goals. So it's just... There's no defensive mindset, Matt, at all at these, at these clearances. There's no secondary effort. Like, Laird, once he was out of the contest, instead of thinking defensively, how am I going to stop the bloke that is getting the ball, he basically just... Runs, def- runs to the back line. Do you know what I mean? Like a like a, a you know, year five junior player.
1: If I understand it correctly, I, I, I think that Clark is actually in charge of the midfield at the moment. And uh, anyway, he certainly does something to, him to understand what the, what after the Rutland has been done. What happens after that? Well, I don't know what Gordon's doing.
2: No, and the other thing the about run. that,
1: I wish
0: else. I had a rewind button there. Do I have a rewind button there? Let just have the other thing about that too, with Anderson getting the clearance, it was kicked into their into their forward line and immediately uh that Zerhar, who I think actually gave Jake Kelly a bit of a bath. Uh I don't know about you. Um
1: I wasn't totally wrapped in Kelly's game,
0: no. No, he gave him a, he he gave Kelly a bath. He really did. He did let's I'll start that again and see if I can pause the key moments so here's the key moments because this is a really good one in my opinion and I'm sorry if people are bored but still shit (laughs) (laughs) so this
2: is the center clearance again and you can see right here with my beautiful arrow that at this point Matt Crouch actually has Jed Anderson by the scruff. Oh, that—that's restarted the whole thing up. My apologies. We're just going to have to run through these again now. Shit.
4: But I don't—I don't know. For the people that are watching,
0: I'm hoping people can see how much we lack defensive effort with our with our stoppage work. Because to me, when I was watching it again, and I've done this video, video analysis a couple of times now, but every time I watch it, it's patently obvious to me that we don't have any defensive mindset in the midfield whatsoever. It's just so obvious. Do you see that, mate?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. With it, it, it's, we, don't, we don't structure correctly for a start. And then secondly you can't always have the ball tapped down in your direction. It's obviously going to go somewhere else uh, most of the time. So you've got to be on your toes and ready to go there as well. So it, it's that's You're not right. there just to get the ball. You're also there to stop the ball from going the other direction. And I don't know that our players do that part of it very well at all, if at all.
2: No, they they
0: really don't. That it's But it, uh, to me, that's laziness. That's trying to get a kick,
1: isn't it, Macca? Well, oh, it can, be, it, can be, it can be stupidity as well as laziness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but you, you're spot on that they the best midfields don't always have the best ruckman so the best midfields are ones who can actually figure out in the air where that tap has gone even if it isn't their ruckman mm. and adjust that play to then shark it and make it a clearance yeah.
1: absolutely right Nicky there that was, that was the one thing in my game that I used to love if I ever did that and I'd always run back and Pat the opposition Rackman on the back and thank you for the yeah tap.
0: thanks thanks for the tap <laughs> exactly right well here we are back at this thing now and Brody and Jed Anderson have got body on each other when the ball goes up and by the time the ball comes down and Goldstein's won it you can see Brody is actually leaning away from Anderson who's running to to get the dish off uh, Goldstein Brody has sagged off him straight away right. And Rory Laird can already see Rory Laird if I put my little arrow there, Rory Laird can already see what's going to happen. He's seen that Goldsmith's got Goldstein's got the ball and he can see that it's going to go out the back. So he is no longer in play. Right? He's not mm-hmm. he's not on his man, he's no longer in play. So as the ball comes around, um Smith has lost body on Anderson. Goldstein's gonna shepherd him out anyway. But Laird is just standing flat-footed instead of moving over here to cover Anderson or to pressure Anderson to outlet, He actually just stands and watches and then when you when you see the video run to the end, he just actually starts running to the back line rather than actually making any sort of effort and then here the whole reason I just wasted five minutes of people's lives. <laughs> This arrow here is Kelly, and this arrow here is, I think it's Zerhar. And um, when you see the replay, and we don't have the replay here, but they started together. They started together, and by the time that ball gets kicked, Zerhar's got five metres on Kelly and takes an uncontested mark.
1: Sadly, that would be typical of about 20 or 30 that happen for the day like that.
2: Yeah,
0: and, well, Zuhard did it... He towed up Kelly, in my opinion, uh, um, offensively. Absolutely towed him up. So here's another one. What are we going to see here? Oh, the same thing, where... Like, Chase Jones has started on... Who was 14 for them? Is it Higgins? No, Higgins is three, isn't it? I can't remember who 14 was. But Jones has started on... Body on body, and by the time the ball has got to his opponent, he's four meters behind macca I
1: know that, that''s this is absolutely uh, sickening to watch man four meters behind but it's, it's what we do week after week
0: well, and that's that's why I'm highlighting it because I mean we could go back through the whole lot and every game and and see it, but this
2: game really highlighted it because there's some real. Out like standout moments. Let's see what this one is. on, oh, this is this situation where
0: it's it's obviously communication between or lack of understanding between our rucks and our mids, because this is the one where the bounce favoured Riley O'Brien, and it went to the like it was almost wide enough to be recalled. We've got two players on the defensive side, but O'Brien decides he wants to tap it back over his head, and all he does is tap it to Goldstein. It's just a complete... All Riley had to do was actually put it down to Chase or Laird, who were right in front of him, because they had separation. But instead, he's tried to tap it back over his head, and there's three North players there. And as a consequence, we uh, we lose it so just lack of awareness lack of understanding they obviously aren't doing midfield drills um you know and it's frustrating to watch so frustrating to watch but
1: i mean the, all this is a, all these highlights you're showing there fate just a repeat of what happened the week before and the week before and the week before just different uh, opposition
0: oh absolutely absolutely and that and like that i had some time today and this is why i've sort of put this together because like it it just shits me it really does um let's have a quick look at some forward 50 entries because there was some diabolical stuff going on there as well
3: i would have gone with putrid
0: yeah so the first one i'll just restart that if i can um The first one was uh, the one that McAdam got out on the wing um, and he just sort of wheeled around and uh, bombed it in and bombed it straight to three bloody um, North Melbourne players. So let me just restart that one.
3: Because, yeah, and and for me, McAdam actually did the right thing because he played on quickly, didn't get a chance to... Um, get that ball back. But we do what we've always do. We freaking lead out to the pockets.
0: Yeah. But look at the situation here. This is when, when McAdam is at the point where he's just kicked the ball. But obvi- it's obvious at this point that where he's kicking it to is the wrong side of the ground. North Melbourne had managed to bottle up the ground, and this is what we do. We lack patience going into forward 50 because the play that McAdam had there was to go back across the ground. We needed to stretch out um, North Melbourne's zone because they'd been able to zone up behind the ball. You can see all the North Melbourne players that are there, um, you know, in in this particular area here. All the North Melbourne players that are here, they've blocked up the little diagonal, they've blocked up in here. Like, it's locked down. So the play was for McAdam to actually go backwards and to try and get around... And hit up the fat side of the ground, mm. but we don't have the we don't have the patience to do that. The ball just goes in deep and long, and you know it comes straight back out again. Uh, it and it happens time and time again. You know, and look three three North Melbourne players. Here's another one where, and we end up. This is the one that McAdam actually takes a mark, but have a look at. Um, have a look at um, when the ball gets kicked in high. Have a look at the configuration of the players coming in to the front of the pack. There's one, two, three, four Crows players trailing one, two, three, four, arguably five North Melbourne players. So the ball's kicked in high to a pack, and our crummers, our midfield and crummers, are trailing the North Melbourne defenders by five metres to get back to crumb the ball. And it was only because McAdam took a good mark that those those guys didn't come into play, otherwise it would have been an easy out if you can you can see right here when that ball's obviously going to be a contest obviously going to be a contest and we don't have one small player within twenty meters of that contest and there's one two three four five six North Melbourne players that's laziness smacker it is. Totally, you know, and it's not as if it was a quick entry. It was a high ball coming in, and those players just trailed in. And as I said, it was just lucky that McAdam took the mark. Um, You know, you can see the North players converging already. What's the next? And I didn't show him missing the goal because the kid didn't deserve it. So here's another one. We've got the ball off half back, and we fiddle around with it and fiddle around with it we're lucky to get away with this one because the North Melbourne guy misses it Bryce nearly knocks someone over we mess around handball 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 um, you know and eventually the ball comes out free to Matt Crouch now Matt Crouch at this stage has got time and space if he wants to use it but instead he at this point where is the worst can you see this Nick or Macca
3: yeah now I'm watching.
0: At this point, where is the worst place that Matt Crouch could kick it? The absolute worst place that he could kick it right now. It's here. <laughs> where there's one, two, three, four, five,
3: yeah. six. Six players.
1: Where he kicks it to.
0: <laughs> right here. So instead of taking a moment and try and you can see north of compress that side of the ground. So you can see that there's no op- option here. No option here. So all Crouchy has to do is maybe give it back to this guy and try and open up the fat side for someone to lead into out here. But instead, Matty decides, oh, well, we'll have some kick to kick. And he kicks it straight to that spot. It was the most ridiculous waste of effort. And half of it is because we mess around with the ball so much on transition and we gave North a a ton of time to actually get set. But half of it is we just lack patience. We panic going into forward fifty. We our midfielders can con, can continually just dump kick into forward fifty and they always take the wrong options. And that was just an, another example of the wrong option. And it results in, in uh you know, a a rebound for North Melbourne. Now here's an example. Himmelberg, who's actually quite good beneath his knees, um, uh, took the ball, gives off a nice handball, and we get, and again, at this point, the worst thing that that Lynchy could do was actually just bomb it down the line because yeah, we're be all
2: ahead, we're
0: all ahead of the ball here, right? So Lynch tries to kick it over the pack, and that's to the advantage of the North players. There's one
1: yeah, stupid,
0: sorry, one, two, three, four players, and and what they will do then is just flick it over this side and away they go. But all our players were not
4: favoured by that kick from Lynch. And Lynch had time and space. So our full 50 entries, to my way of thinking, just
0: lack... Um, lack composure. They lack any sort of um, sound decision-making. And you wonder what they actually drill at training, Mac and Nick.
1: Well you think that they'd probably do the right thing at trading, but it seems that under the pressure of, of uh, match pressure. I uh, don't
0: actually accept that, macker you know. I don't accept that because it's not as if no, these boats have been playing footy for five minutes.
1: No, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying... Oh, that, no, no, um, no. I know you're, you're not, not men- defending it. I don't think mentally they're not good enough. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: and I,
3: But I don't think the groups are actually allowed to train together. So the midfield, whilst they're practice stuff, they're not... Practicing to our actual forwards because the forwards aren't allowed to still be training at the same time. Well,
1: and, the group 10 thing,
3: and yeah, and quite seriously though, that then becomes on the coaches that they need to make sure that what they're telling our players who are having to have this little stagnant kind of group training that's going on, they've got to be doing a better job.
0: Absolutely, think,
1: Nicky. Yeah, but I think it just comes back to the. They're either not, a not good enough, or b they don't bother to think enough. Because um, the opposition that players teams that we play, they have the same restrictions on their training too, Nikki, yet they managed to make the right yep. decisions. And yep. for God's sake, these people played a lot of football in their life. That you know, it doesn't matter if they played under 14s, 16s, 18s, and then uh, a few league games. The, the principles never vary. They don't vary. You just you still got to try and uh, hit a teammate on the chest or. Oh, you know, if you're going to see that there's nothing ahead, you just—it's better going backwards rather than going kicking, giving the ball away up forward. Yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't change. So they either lack, either that they're just not good enough, or they just don't think enough.
0: Anyway, this is some general play stuff, and I know we're dragging on a bit uh, tonight, but uh, um, <laughs> it's not 30 thirty—it's two hours.
2: Yeah, yeah I know. I'll—I'll uh, I'll through this a bit. Because we cracked on too much before. Oh, this was the one where it was Luke McDonald, basically. What's happened there? Something's happened there. I might actually give that a miss because um, we've been going on for too long. I might actually include these in some highlights next week. Uh, but I will finish off with some good highlights. One was locking Murphy's goal. The other one was Rory Laird's goal, because we have to have some balance in this podcast
0: and it can't all be goddamn negative, can it?
1: <laughs> all right. Pretty close to it, though.
0: Can't all be goddamn negative. Um, I will post uh, all of those video highlights on our website if anyone wants to have a look at some of the other stuff that we've pinpointed, but the bottom line about all of that is, and we've done some pretty hard sort of in-depth talking about it tonight, um the bottom line is it just doesn't look like we're very well coached. It doesn't look like we're very fit. And to a large extent, it doesn't look like the senior players are engaged. Would that be a fair summary?
1: Uh, I couldn't argue with any of those three points. Uh, yep. Probably, it's a very good summary, actually, yeah, I think.
0: And that's the bottom line. So we've got um, – who we got on Wednesday night? We've got Melbourne.
3: we got Melbourne. Wednesday who night. Who you know, the way they played – you would think, yeah, good chance, but the fact that they got slammed from within their own club.
1: They're chairman. They yep.
3: Came. I think this one's not going to be a fun game.
0: Well, you know, uh, hopefully internally that's happening at the Adelaide Crows as well, because we both had insipid losses. Um, and uh, you should. what you should see is two teams come out on Wednesday night hell-bent on a win. Uh, irrespective of yeah. selection, irrespective of the the short turnaround; it shouldn't matter at all. These two teams should have pride on the line, and they should be they should be ripping each other apart. And if we see a bruise free game of football on Wednesday night, then that will confirm to me, certainly from the Crows' perspective, that we're just going through the motions this year.
1: Well, I fully expect uh, that it will be a very physical game. That I think that uh, our players although our chairman hasn't come out and said anything, um, I think that our players will become out a lot more determined than they did after in that pathetic game. And Melbourne, who've got a lot, I believe, a lot more talent than we've got, actually, um, they they were very, very disappointing, and their chairman has called called them out. And uh, he's virtually said that, you know, the people that don't perform won't be here next year. That probably includes the coach and everybody. So um, I think there's going to be uh, uh, a pretty... Uh, 100% effort from Melbourne. I would expect 100% effort from us, but I don't think we have the same amount of talent that they do.
0: Yeah, that's probably a fair call. Uh, look, thanks to everyone who stuck around for a very long rap tonight. Um, so whenever I get time to do all this shit, it turns into a long rap. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> It makes up for the one that I missed a couple of weeks ago, so there you go. Um, we do have a game, obviously, on Wednesday night, but we will be back on Sunday night to uh, cover that one as well as um, all the other uh, matches of the round, which is, what, round 10? Um, as we go through They're this...
3: They're going to bleed into each other. Yeah,
0: we well, go through I this festival of footy.
1: Uh, the we'll be actually uh, talking about... Uh, round 10 and part of round 11
0: yeah exactly exactly so uh, never mind interesting times but look uh, don't forget you can follow us on Patreon if you want to have a look at those stats and I'll put those highlight videos up for our patrons as well Um, so go ahead if you want to support the podcast uh, or the crowcast go to uh, aflcrowcast.com or go to patreon.com forward slash aflcrowcast and you can put your support in for us there Thank you, everyone, for sticking around, everyone on Discord, everyone who's watched us on YouTube and Facebook and also Twitch. Uh, nice to see you all in chat. It's been a long night but a good discussion. Maka, Nikki, thank you very much. My
1: pleasure. Enjoyed it. pleasure You're night. welcome. I <laughs> you we about something better.
0: <laughs> uh, and we'll see you next Sunday at 7.30. See you, guys. Yep. Good, night good night all.
1: Good night all.